Last weekend, I uh, came uh, to the gathering. I had watched uh, a little bit of the Vikings game, and when I got here, it was 17-0, Vikings were winning. And then I watched, uh, or I watched the game. I, I did the service, and I ran to my office right after the service. I confess that to you. And uh, they had a little TV in there that was there before I came, all right? And uh, I turned it on right away, and I just about sunk to the floor because now they're behind one point and like 10 seconds left. And I, I, I remember looking at it thinking, this is so NFC. This is just, this is the Bears, this is the Vikings. They get to the edge and they can't pull it across. And then, and then it happened. The miracle happened. And I was so excited that I, I, I thought, man, I don't have to preach a message on overcoming discouragement and depression now. <laughs> and when I got home, my wife could hardly talk. She was just, she's a, a big Viking fan. She was very excited. I mean, she goes back to the days of Purple People Eaters, remember? And um, so then I got up this morning, I was looking in my closet, and there's this purple shirt. I love the color purple. Uh, and I just thought, do I wear it or don't I wear it? And I thought, you know, if I wear it, it's just, I, I'm probably going to jinx the team. So anyway, uh, I, didn't, I didn't wear it. But um, somebody asked me, I think at 8.30 service, they said, uh, is there something you could do for the Vikings? And I was like... <laughs> I don't, I don't quite feel led to pray that way, uh, but you can do it on your own, all right? So uh, we're in this series, and we're talking about following Jesus, responding to his call to all people in Matthew 4, 19, when he said, come, you know, leave behind whatever you're trusting, leave behind whatever you see as your identity, and just make, and just trust me, make me your identity. And he says, follow me. Let's go on a journey together. And he says, I want to make you into becoming a fisher of people. In other words, I want you to do for others what I'm doing for you. And so we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about what does it mean to really, to be a real follower of Christ? We define discipleship this way. We said, to be a disciple is to actively follow Jesus. Emphasis on actively, okay? Not just sitting there, but actively following him. And then we said, it's, it's all about Jesus changing my life and then it's all about being on mission with him. So I could ask you, how have you actively followed Jesus this week? How is he changing your life right now? How are you on mission with him? That's what we want God to do in our hearts and do in our lives. And uh, we've been looking at how we mature in this process of following Jesus. And so we put this up last weekend and uh, we started filling it out and we're gonna finish this weekend. How many of you brought yours back? Brought your little wheel? Oh, gold stars for you. All right? How many of you, uh, well, forget it. If you didn't bring it back, we've got one for you in the worship folder, all right, with the first section of the pie filled out. And what we're doing is we're just simply talking about how does one journey with God? How does one grow? Just like you go through human stages, how, how does one grow spiritually? And you can't know where God wants to take you unless you're honest about where you are. So let's get started. And we're we're going to fill it out. And I want you to be thinking about not where your neighbor is, not where your spouse is, not where your parents or your kids are, but where are you, all right? Where are you in this? So after, um, after someone becomes a believer, okay, they move into a stage that we call infancy, all right? Just like, you know, a brand new baby's born, we call that child an infant. So uh, if you wanted to, just write uh, the word infant here, all right? There's the infant spiritual stage that one begins in. It's where we all are going to begin our journey. And we hear infants described in First Peter. 
First Peter chapter two, verse two through three says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. So even Peter has this idea that you start as an infant and you gotta grow in your spiritual journey. He says, cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now, if you want all this information out at Lydia's, we're selling the manual. It's got all the diagrams filled out and all the verses. And it's like four, $4, okay? And it covers the cost of it. But uh, Peter talks about this, this journey. Now, how many of you have ever had an infant in your home? Let me see your hands, all right? And uh, how many of you still have one in your home? That can mean many things, right? Okay? Uh, but what do infants do? Infants cry out, okay? Because they're hungry usually, all right? Or their diapers are dirty. They cry out. They want to be fed. Well, when a person is truly born again, they really have come to grips that, that they, they've given their heart to Jesus. There's a hunger in the heart. There's a hunger now to say, okay, what do I do with this? And that's because the characteristic that, that defines an infant, in, spiritually speaking, is ignorance, all right? You don't know what you don't know. Just like when you think about an infant human being, they're, they're ignorant, they're born in this world totally vulnerable. Same thing is true spiritually. And it's just like an infant cannot feed her or his self, same thing is true with spiritual infants. They need help to get fed, and that's part of your responsibility and my responsibility to feed them. So what are some of the telltale signs of somebody who's a spiritual infant? What are the things they say that kind of give it away or that you, know, that you say that might give yourself away? Well, a lot of times, because of the ignorance, they'll say, well, I didn't, I didn't know I'm supposed to go to church regularly. I just wish Christians, let alone who are spiritually mature, go regularly. Uh, of course, if you're spiritually mature, you would go regularly. Um, the Bible says, and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, so much more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Spiritual infants uh, also may say something like, well, I didn't know I was supposed to read and pray daily. This is all brand new to them, see? We take it for granted. It's all brand new to them. Or they may something, say something like, well, what is tithing? What is, what is an offering? What, what is this all about giving money? It's all brand new to them. Never thought about it that way before. Or they might say, hey, you know what? I just love this Bible. Man, I've been reading the Bible. It sits on my nightstand right next to my book on astrology. The Bible on astrology, man, I'm ready to go probably a sign of spiritual infancy. Or they may say something like, is it really wrong for me to cohabitate with my girlfriend or my boyfriend? I mean, is it really wrong to have sex outside of marriage? They may say something like that. Because why? Because they're totally ignorant. So what do you and I have to do? Three things. As their discipler, all right, the one who's doing life with them, we just follow Jesus' example. We share our life with them. That's what Jesus did with his first followers. He shared his life with them. They lived, they camped together, they walked together, they talked together, they just did life together. He, remember we said last weekend, discipleship is, is more caught than taught, all right? So we do life with them, it means spending time with them. Secondly, we share new truth with them. Jesus shared new truth with his followers. And we wanna share that new truth with those that we are in relationship with as well, whether it's one-on-one or in a group. New truth about salvation, new truth about heaven, new truth about hell, new truth about morality, new truth about, and the list goes on, marriage, relationships, etc. And then we want to share new habits. We want to share new habits, okay? Because, you know, old habits that aren't good have to be broken. New habits have to be put in place. The habit of reading God's word. 
the habit of prayer, the habit of sharing our faith, the habit of giving, the habit of attending, the habit of serving, habits that the Bible lays out that are healthy and good for us to practice. And so that becomes our responsibility with the spiritual infant. So you can cover this whole area from the spiritual dead to infants with one word. It's all about sharing, sharing the gospel, sharing my life, sharing new truth, sharing new habits to bring them into life change. Now, just like an infant's not going to get up and change its own diaper, an infant's not going to get up and go to the refrigerator and, you know, get a glass of milk, an an infant needs help. It is our responsibility to help spiritual infants. It is a sin. It is a crime to lead them in that state. Yet that happens all the time in the church. And I'll tell you why. As we move to our next stage, I think this stage defines most, it defines where most Christians are today. All right? So after you get out of, <clears throat> excuse me, out of infancy, you grow into childhood. So this next stage is spiritual childhood spiritual childhood. John seemed to have uh, recognized the stages of spiritual growth. In his little epistle, 1 John, in chapter 2, he wrote these words. He said, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. One of John's terms he oftentimes uses for believers is child or children or children of God. And so what, you know, what is it that characterizes a child? We said an infant is ignorance, all right? Well, for a child, what characterizes them is self-centeredness. They are self-centered. How many of you have children in your, your home? See your hands, all right? By nature, they're selfish, right? Now, understand, okay, spiritually speaking, a, a spiritual child is growing, right? They are learning to read, learning to pray, but basically speaking, they're selfish. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, all of us are a bit childish at times, aren't we? How many of you are married to someone who could be childish at times? Yeah, okay, so we all struggle, we all struggle with being selfish, Okay, what are, what, are, uh, what are the giveaways? How do you know when somebody's in this state? Remember, I just said, this is where I think a lot of Christians are today. Well, let me give you some, some uh, phrases from the stage, so to speak, that, that uh, describe this, uh, the state of being a spiritual child. Remember, remember you, you grow through this, okay? So everybody's gonna grow through this. We, we're gonna move through selfishness. But it's a sad thing when you get stuck in it. And so you hear them say things like this. You know, the church is no longer meeting my needs. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to find one that meets my needs. Or you'll hear them say uh, something like this. I really like my Sunday school class. I like my life group I hope they don't add any new people to my life group. I like the people who are there. We've been on a journey together. A new person would kind of mess things up a little bit. Or you'll hear them say something like, I really didn't like the music today. It was too loud. It was too soft. It was too traditional. It was too contemporary. It wasn't my style of music. 
Or you'll hear them say something like, you know that bald-headed pastor? He walked by me in the hallway and he never said hi to me. I don't think he likes me very much. Not really a representative of God. Or I'm not being fed by those sermons anymore. They're not deep enough for me. I need some more meat. I think I'll whatever. Or I went to help in the junior high ministry and nobody there appreciated me. Or I'm serving in the nursery. And you know what? There are, nobody said thank you to me for what I've done. I contribute a lot of money here and nobody seems to care about my opinion. Now, what words do you keep hearing in those statements? I, my, me, mine. Now, I'm sure that only the 8.30, the 9.45 service and the, and the gathering service have people that talk like that. I'm sure at 11 o'clock, it's absent. Hey, every one of us, including me, can be childish, spiritually speaking, right? The problem is when that's where you live. When that's like you're always talking that way. That's when you're stuck, and that's not a good thing, okay? That's not a good thing. People who get stuck in childhood become troublesome within the body itself, right? It's like you, it's like you parents, it's like you raising your child, and you never discipline them until they turn 16, and then you decide to discipline them. It doesn't go over very well. If you start disciplining them, teaching them along the way, then, you know, you have a lot better chance of moving and past that, Right? Same thing is true spiritually. And that's why, you know, part of the blame goes to us because the church isn't going to emphasize discipleship. And you just leave people parked out there in their journey and nobody's there to help them grow and keep them accountable. Well, then what, how, do you, how else do you expect them to behave? So what is it you have to do for those who are spiritual children? And we all have been there or we are there right now in our journey, our walk with God. First thing you need to do is connect them to God. Connect to God, right? Now, why connect them to God? Because the tendency for a spiritual child is to behave like a consumer. The church exists for me, all right? All right, no, you exist for God. Your focus needs to be on God, not people. People disappoint us. I disappoint you. You disappoint me. We hurt each other's feelings. We let each other down. We don't always say thank you. We don't always appreciate it. We don't always smile at each other. We don't always say hi, some of you are like, wow, somebody must have said something to him. No, all right? It's just reality, okay? But that doesn't mean you just give up. It's you, you, you keep your eyes on God, right? Secondly, we need to connect them to a group. Big group, small group, doesn't matter me. I'll put life group here. That's what we're emphasizing. Why? Because I need accountability. I need somebody who can look me in the face and say, you're being childish about this. Come on. Now, the worst thing in the world is connect them to a group filled with all children. Spiritually speaking, now you got anarchy, all right? Now you got rebellion on your hands, all right? So it has to be healthy groups where people, you know, can give and take and be honest with each other. And finally, and this is so important, connect them to purpose, okay? Connect to a purpose. It's hard to write upside down, all right? And be left-handed. It's like hieroglyphics, all right? Connect to purpose. Connect to purpose. Okay, you, you're not here to consume. You're here to give. You're here to give. A friend of mine puts it this way. He says, in so many churches today, discipleship amounts to a bunch of people getting in a classroom and having a talking head transfer knowledge to them. They're not being spiritually reproductive. He says they're spiritually constipated. 
because they just keep taking and taking and taking and taking and, they, and nothing ever leaves, all right? Nothing ever is given out. See, I can do that at 11 o'clock. I can't do that at 8.30 and 9.45, all right? You guys are very blessed, okay? But, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty good, I say picture, but you get the point, right? <laughs> See, now you won't forget that point, all right? It's indelible in your mind, right? It's like, I'm expected to do something. This, this food I'm getting is to energize me to, to give, to serve, to make a difference in people's lives. All right, so we've gone from uh, uh, share, and in this stage of spiritual infant, what our responsibility as the discipler is, is to connect, okay? Connect to God, connect to life group, connect to a purpose, okay? Now, the next stage we move into is young adult. So why don't you write that in here, okay? Young adult. And by the way, you, you can't take the... the the literal stages of life too seriously here because you can be like 50 years old and still be spiritually a child. And, be, and you, could, you could be a Christian for 30 years of your life and still be a child. It's like you can be a Christian for 20 years and be 25 years old and be mo- far more mature. It all has to do with what am I letting God do in my life? So age and stage don't always go together, spiritually speaking. Okay, so what, what is it that... Um, what is it that defines a, a spiritual young adult, so to speak? And the answer to question is really simple. If it's self-centered in childhood, it's unselfish in the young adult stage. Now, don't misunderstand that. It doesn't mean that this person just is never selfish. It just means that they, they recognize selfishness in their life and they repent of it. They, they, they move away from it. And when, and when they lapse into it, they quickly are like, oh, that was wrong. I can't be this way. Passage of scripture that comes to mind is Philippians chapter two, where the apostle Paul says in verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus had. That was Jesus modeled this for us. He gave everything up to become like us, to serve us, to die for us. We might live again, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. So what are some of the phrases from the stage that a young adult will use? Well, they'll say things like, you know, I really love my youth group, but I understand, I'm sorry, well, they could say their youth group, I really love my small group, but I, um, I really feel led to, you know, to help start a new group because we need more. See, that's so different than the child who says, I love my group and I hope they don't add anybody into it. This one says, I'm willing, I'm willing to help go start one. Or they may say something like, you know, I, I, I got a bunch of friends who are not believers, and uh, I think I'm going to start a group for them. I just feel like they need a place where they can be safe, they can talk about their doubts and their fears, and, and I've been there, done that, so I'm just going to host that. I want to host it. Maybe I'm not going to teach it, but I want to host it, get somebody there to help, help me out with it. Or they'll say something like, you know, in my group, uh, Jill was missing or John was gone. And uh, I, I'm concerned. I'm going to call them this week and make sure they're okay and everything's going well. Or, hey, I want to be part of a short-term mission trip. I want to go make a difference someplace. I feel like I should go and help, help serve and, and, and meet the needs of, of others. Or, hey, you know what happened today? I mean, the church is getting so full, I had to park two blocks away. Two blocks away and walk in zero-degree temperatures. It's so awesome to see what God's doing in our church. Yeah, I love that. 
See, a spiritual child will say, why don't they have special parking for spiritual children? <laughs> Close to the door. I understand why I had to walk so far, so cold. Don't they know how much I give here? That's a spiritual child, okay? That's, that's kind of different. So, you know, how do you help how do you help out the young adults so they keep growing in their walk with God? Well, there, there's a couple things you can do. One, equip them, all right? Now, when I say equip them, what I mean is you are actually going to prepare them, all right? You're going to prepare them to launch out. They're getting really ready, okay? So I'm going to say equip with truth, okay? Because as they go out, you want them to know how to defend the faith. We want them to know what, our, what the core doctrines of the Bible are that we can't compromise on. You want to equip them with the ability to answer tough questions that are out there. So that's part of the process. And that's one of the things we're going to build into our, our discipleship process. We're going to create these, these resources and, and this, this ability to be able to handle these things when you are actually discipling others as well. But the beautiful thing is now, even if you don't have all the answers, which is one reason why some people won't disciple others, oh, I don't have all the answers. I'm afraid somebody asked me a hard question. You just simply say to them, I'm not sure about that, but I'll get back to you. I find people appreciate that way more than you trying to fake it. Because now they know you're wrestling with it too, okay? So equip them with that. Secondly, um, provide opportunities. I don't have room to write. You can put provide on yours, but provide opportunities, okay? Provide opportunities to do what? To begin practicing the faith, to lead a group, to, to come alongside and serve someplace, to, to go and do something, to get used to output, get used to being responsible and being in charge. And thirdly, release release them to actually do ministry. You know, don't just be talking about it all the time, but not letting them go. In so many groups, all right, so many group leaders, here's what happens. They get, they get a group together and they say, I'm going to disciple this group, and they never release them. They've been together like for 30 years. One guy or gal's the teacher and the other's the students, and that's it. They're like this eternal classroom. It's not, it's Jesus, Jesus gathered 12, he didn't say, okay, we're going to stay together the rest of our lives. He, he kept them to release them. You got to be willing to let them go. Why? So they can go do what you've been done, doing for them, so you have room now to do it for others. Make sense? Yes? Make sense? Uh, you're like, I don't want to go. Hope he's not talking about me. All right, all right. I know where you are, all right? It's not over here, okay? All right. So we want to release we want to release them, okay, while coaching them at the same time, all right? You guys are a great group, all right? You're fun today. I appreciate that. You guys are always usually fun. You're saying really loud and well today, too. I was noticing that. All right, parent, all right? Let's talk about parent. You say parent? Yes. We, why, why is it parent? Because, you know, parents reproduce, okay? That's why they're called a parent, all right? And, and part of being healthy you know, growing healthy Christians, you spiritually reproduce. You are a discipler who makes disciples who makes disciples. Okay? And so what characterizes a, a parent, all right, is consistent self-denial. All right? So I don't have a whole lot of room, so I'm going to put consistent. Con stands for consistent. All right? Self-denial. All right? Now, does a parent... Be, Act selfishly sometimes? Yes, of course. Read the New Testament. Even Paul and Peter had selfish bouts in their lives. 
They had to grow through it. But generally speaking, they are unselfish individuals. All right, they're unselfish individuals. You know, Paul talks about maturity in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, spiritually speaking, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And I appreciate Paul's testimony, because in essence, what he's saying is, even though he's an apostle, he's not complete yet. He's still in process. We're not complete till we stand before the Lord. But we can gain a level of maturity, and it's marked by this sense of self-denial. Jesus says, you cannot follow me if you don't deny yourself, which is an ongoing process. But in maturity, when you find a mature Christian, it becomes their lifestyle. It becomes like their first thought. So you hear them say things like, you know, um, I am going to start a group. And, and obviously, they don't need coaching now. They know how to do it. But I'm, I'm going to start a group. I, I want to pour into other people's lives. Or I've got this guy who's not a believer. He's got a lot of hard questions. I'm going to sit down with him. We're going to start talking about the existence of God and the faith. And, and I'm going to be able to take what I've learned from Scripture. And, and I, I want to talk to him and encourage him. Or I want to lead a ministry now. Or I'm going to disciple my family. I realize how important it is to start with my home. Or... Um, you know, my greatest joy in life is, is pouring into others. See, that's, that's apparent. It's like they've, they've gotten the big picture. So what you do for them is, first of all, you explain the discipleship process. So you, you help them understand how it works, what it means. So you explain disciples making disciples. You let them know we don't want you to have a classroom. You let them know it's not an end all. It's not like you get a group in there and you spend the rest of your life together. You're going to pour into them so they can walk out and pour into others during the week. And then you have some new people you'll begin to pour into as well, right? Second thing we want to do for them is uh, we want to release them. And what I mean by that is, whereas a young adult, we release them, but we kind of stay with them and mentor them. Now, Now you're ready to be on your own. You can do this. And you're actually going to mentor others as you do it. And then um, finally, um, we're going we're to ask them to help lead disciples making disciples, right? We, we want them to model that. So let's look at the skin. Share, connect. Over here, it's minister. Now I'm learning to minister to others. And over here, now I truly have owned this whole concept of what it means to be a disciple, and that is I disciple to make disciples who make disciples. Now, where are you? Where are you on this chart? Remember we said last weekend, Christians struggle to be honest where they are. But if you don't, if you don't own where you are, you, you, you don't know where you need to go. So where are you and, and what are you going to do about it? Okay, now I already mentioned this, I'll say it again. I don't know why they put a dirty one back there. But, oh my goodness, those are all nasty. Anyway, um, we're unplugged this, this, uh, this morning, aren't we? Uh, so uh, looking at this chart, I don't want you to think you have to wait to get here before you can disciple somebody. See, a child can already begin to disciple an infant. You just want to make sure that that child is moving through the stage, not stuck in this stage, all right? Uh, a young adult can 
can uh, disciple a child, spiritual child. And the parent can disciple, right, any of these. Now, does that mean the parent no longer gets discipled? No, they're continuing in the discipling ministry as well. Iron sharpens iron. Here's what I've discovered. I grow the most spiritually when I'm discipling others. Because it takes me constantly back to the basics. When I ask them and tell them they need to do, I've got to model and exemplify in my own life. So it's a win-win when disciples make disciples. Now, how important is this? I'll give you a little quiz. You ready? I want you to see if you can remember the three messages, the three sermons that have most influenced your life so far, spiritually speaking. What are the three sermons that have most influenced your life so far? Name, title of sermon, and text. All right? How many of you have the three? Just like right there for you. This is very discouraging. <laughs> Why preach? How many of you remember the sermon I preached six weeks ago? I don't remember it. Okay? So we didn't do very well on that one, okay? All right, now I want you to think about the three people who have most spiritually influenced your life. Who are the three people who have most spiritually influenced your life? How many of you have names coming right away to your mind? Look at that, all over the place. All over the place. What's the difference? Somebody did life with you. Somebody poured into you. And in discipleship, all we're asking you to do is to turn that back around. We're asking you to do that for somebody else. What others have done for you, you would do for them in the context of a group or in the context one-on-one. And if you're already involved in something like that, all I'm asking you to do is get even sharper and more focused on it and make sure that you're not just getting a bunch of information, you're actually moving people through the wheel, so to speak. Because if you go back and look at the Gospels, this is how Jesus did discipleship. He took his people, his first followers, through this entire process to grow them in order to release them to lead his church. Were they perfect? Peter wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. But they owned their responsibility. And that's the only way we're going to change this world. I really believe it. It's through a proper understanding of being a disciple. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? Now, you can sit here, and, and I, I, I understand. You could poke holes into our attempts at, at, at Whitdale Church. You could point out groups that don't work. You could point out areas we fail in. You could, you know, you could say, but look. Look at all the things you don't do right. You could do that, all right? You're probably somewhere over here if you're doing that, but you could do that, okay? I'm asking you, would you get in the game and help us change it and get better at it and do your part in it? Let's pray. And I want to encourage you not to leave uh, right away. We have a powerful song I want you to listen to, but... Let's pray. Father God, we humble ourselves before you uh, today. And God, uh, we thank you for choosing us, making us your disciples. And God, you have chosen to use others to be your tool to continue to grow our lives. Yes, imperfect others you choose to work through. God, it's scary that you want us to be the instrument you use to touch another person's life. 
So God, we want to get so serious about this. And God, we want to thank you for the people you've used in our lives. Whether they're still alive or they've passed away, just thank you for them. And maybe some of us, God, need to write a note to somebody that's really spiritually influenced us to encourage them, to thank them. But Lord, now it's our turn. It's our turn to do for others what so many have done for us. So Lord, as we contemplate this, May the excitement rise in our chest and our soul to want to get in the game, to want to be difference makers, to be for others which you have used others to be for us.